It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Gino time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. Today it's me, your boy Jay King from MassLive.com. I am joined by TNT's Mike Fratello, the 18th winningest NBA coach of all time. He shares his thoughts on Celtics Cavaliers, Brad Stevens, the Boston's future, Boston's decisions to make. He it, it was a fun chat, a lot of great insight from. Mike Fratello, obviously TNT is televising the entire Eastern Conference Finals, so you guys can watch the games there if you're watching it on them on TV. If you're if you'd rather go to the game, you can always check out SeatGeek. SeatGeek buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. My brothers went to game one. They used SeatGeek to buy their tickets. They would have liked the Celtics to be more competitive. They would have liked LeBron to be less destructive. But... They enjoyed being in the building. When, when the Celtics got to 17 down in the second half, that TD Garden was nuts. You would have thought they were up 20 points. So shout out to the Boston crowd, but no, not as much of a shout out to the Celtics who got pummeled in game one. We'll need to do a much better job on LeBron James in the future. We'll need to do a much better job making shots as well. Celtics are going to score, I think, in this series, but... They need to they need to not let LeBron James shoot seven free seven layups in the first quarter. Make seven layups in the first quarter. They've got to do a much better job forcing him into tougher shots, tougher decisions. Uh but SeatGeek, SeatGeek. Always the first place I go to to look for tickets to a game or concert. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. 
You should too. You should too. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. It does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work. You save the time and money. It, it wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. Every ticket is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals for your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off the first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOCELTICS. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app. Enter promo code LOCELTICS today. All right. Before we get to the interview with Mike Fratello, the All-NBA teams came out today. And Isaiah Thomas was placed on the second team, which was a huge honor. Remarkable season for him. I remember when he was talking about after he made the All-Star team last year, he stated as one of his goals to make the All-NBA team. And I, I kind of, in my head, I kind of laughed. Like, like, man, there are a lot of great guards out there. You're going to have to get a whole lot better to beat out those guys. And you know what? He got a whole lot better. So, shout out to him. The other takeaway from the All-NBA teams was that Paul George and Gordon Hayward both fell shy of making any of the All-NBA teams. Both of them are still not eligible for the mega extension under the new CBA. So, that could... That could lend itself to more movement this summer. Paul George could be in play. Gordon Hayward might have more incentive to to leave the Jazz, although obviously that's that's a good situation too. We'll see. There, there's a lot going on. Let's just address that that weird Paul George tweet. <laughs> NBA is such a strange place sometimes. Twitter also a strange place, and when NBA when the NBA and Twitter get together, it can be very bizarre. Uh, so Paul Pierce said the Celtics should trade the number one pick. <laughs> Paul George, maybe it was a butt, dot, butt tweet. I don't know. I've done it before where I've accidentally replied to a tweet from my pocket, but it would be a heck of a coincidence in this case. George responded, didn't really say anything in his response, didn't say anything at all actually, but responded to a tweet from Bleacher Report Linking to an article about Paul Pierce saying the Celtics should trade the number one pick. Obviously, Paul George has been linked to the Celtics in trade rumors. Obviously, he only has one year left on his deal. He could try to force his way out of Indiana. There's a lot going on. <laughs> a lot going on with that tweet. I still think no matter what, not no matter what, but I still think the Celtics should keep the number one pick, draft Markel Fultz. See what happens with that. Go with the longer-term approach. Obviously, LeBron James is not going anywhere. But but Paul George, there he is. Um, he, might, he might be trying to angle for a trade to the Celtics. We'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens with everything else. You know it's a great time to be a Celtics fan when the debate is, should they trade the number one pick for Paul George or should they select Markel Fultz? who could be a long-time All-Star. Well, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James. Obviously, Game 1 did not go well. We chat about that with Mike Fratello. He breaks down some of Boston's 
choices in the past, some of their options in the future. And yeah, it was a fun conversation. So here that is. I guess, I guess the first obvious question is this. What, what can the Celtics do to hold up better against the LeBron James onslaught later in this series? Well, since draft picks and trades aren't able to be done right now, <laughs> we, uh, what you do is you, you have to play, obviously, uh, with the talent that you have. You have to figure out what gives you the best chance of beating the Cavaliers. You know, sometimes the team that uh, is a more powerful team, more powerful roster, sometimes they have a bad night. It happens every so often. Or sometimes they get off to a bad start. Uh, I, I think if you ask most people, they think San Antonio would have won game one if Kawhi didn't get hurt. They'd probably say, yeah, they would have won that one. Uh, it was an unfortunate happenstance for San Antonio at that time. Well, when you look at the rosters between Boston's roster and the Cavs' roster, the Cavs are a veteran team. They're an experienced team. They're a grizzled, hardened team from a devastating loss to Golden State a couple of years back when they were injured and banged up to coming back and being down three games to one and pulling it out a year ago. Uh, when you look at the Celtics roster, there's a lot of young pieces on that roster uh, that are tasting this and going to the conference finals for the first time. So as a result of that, these are new experiences. As you said to me, is this uh, indicative of how each game is going to go? Absolutely not. I think the Boston has showed time in and time out that they're a resilient team. They have pride. Uh, they have some toughness. Uh, in that group, and I expect them, fully expect them to bounce back in the next game and play well against the Cavaliers. Uh, But having said that, uh, there's only so many things you can try, you know, as far as basketball, X's and O's. Uh, If it's switching assignments, uh, switching personnel on the floor together, if it's double-teaming someone that has been too hard for your first group of people to handle by themselves. Uh, the, the mismatch is so heavily in favor of the other person that you might have to double team them. Or whenever you do something like that, you risk giving up something else. But sometimes you have to live with that. You have to say, okay, this person, we can't live with him doing what he's been doing. So let's see if the other guys can do it. And maybe you catch a night where the other guys aren't making shots. Uh, the three-point line, which everyone has feared, from the Cavaliers all year. Last night, they were two for nine in the first half from the three-point line. Only shot nine, which is very unusual for Cleveland. When you look at the second half, I think they shot 22 in the second half. That's more like Cleveland. But what the first half was is an example of the game plan, them executing it. They didn't settle for threes. They took the ball, put it on the floor, tried to drive it to the basket. They went to the foul line, took 35 free throw attempts. That all shows an aggressive attitude, determination, and, and, and probably planning in there that Boston had some fatigue there after that seven tough seven-game series against Washington that maybe they weren't ready to move their feet as, as they normally can do. So all that may have played into the Cavs' 
game plan in game number one. So now when Brad sits down with his staff and they evaluate what they want to do in game number two, we think it's going to be the soul searching and, and figuring out how how can we best handle LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, you know, the, the three guys that normally put up the most numbers for them. What's our best chance of surviving against them? Yeah, one of the things they did in game one was they switched big guys onto LeBron. And I think it worked all right during the regular season. It was like Kelly Olenek would force a jumper, LeBron would kind of settle. Game one, there was no settle to him. It, is there a difference in his mentality from regular season to postseason? And do you have to? how much do you have to change your, your defensive strategies against him because he goes to another level? He's remember now. He's concentrating only on one team right now. Yeah. Celtics. He's not concentrating on three games or four nights or four games or five nights. And this is not a team that is not without practice as they were for the month of March, where they were a disaster. But the schedule was a disaster. They they were constantly on the road, constantly playing away games, coming home for a brief stop, and then going back out again. And the number of games and the number of days, all that was adding up to why they didn't practice. And as a result of that, they were not a very good team. They lost the number one seed because of that. And Boston kept playing and playing and playing and put their nose to the grindstone and said, you know what, we got a shot of pulling this thing out. And they did. They did pull it out uh, to their credit. So, you know, they accomplished what they had to as far as they caught the Cavaliers and now they have the number one seed going into it. Losing the first game, is not the end of the world, as they know, because they lost the first two games against Chicago and still came back uh, to beat that team. So they can do it. Um, it's going to take a, a huge effort by everyone. But they, I don't think they have that one guy uh, that's good enough to do it by himself. As great as Isaiah's been, you saw how Cleveland paid so much attention to him in that game last night that not only did, not only was it physically hard for him, but it was discouraging from the standpoint everywhere he went, he saw more Cavs jerseys waiting for him, surrounding him. I saw a couple times in his eyes where there was some indecisiveness where he wasn't sure, is that the right pass, not the right pass. There was a little bit of hesitation in his decision-making. That's what happens when you have one, not only one guy who's hounding you or guarding you, who's pretty good, whether it's J.R. or Schumer, if you notice the game was almost split in half between Shumpert uh, and Jr., which may have been a plan ahead of time that we're wearing this guy down, we're wearing him out. I think there's only three free throw attempts, one of three from the line, seven of 19 maybe from the floor. I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head right now, but um, that's you know that could be the the wear and tear of a Jr. and a Shumpert hounding you the entire time to try and wear you down in the end and. And everywhere he went, there was a, another Cavs jersey there waiting for him. Besides the guy who was assigned to guard him, uh, the next person was there to help out. So it, it can be frustrating for a guy, particularly a, a guy as competitive as he is and you know who works as hard as he does and has accomplished as much as he's accomplished this year. And now all of a sudden, you're, you know, maybe it makes us understand why uh, back a year ago, whenever LeBron came back and – that story came out about LeBron demanding that the owner always have um, 
enough deals, will go out and spend the money to have talent around him. Maybe that shows us and tells us that LeBron understands after six straight trips to the NBA Finals and winning a couple championships that he understands he can't do it alone. He needs those surrounding guys. He needs the way that Ray Allen to make big shots at the right time for him. And, you know, he needs the next guy, Kyrie, to step up at the end of the game and knock down that shot last year in game seven. Those are all things that LeBron probably understands and is saying, look, if I'm coming back and spend my last years in Cleveland, I want to have a chance to be good. I want to have a chance to excel. And to do that, I've got to have surrounding players. I just can't do it alone. So for Boston, it's part of the building process of what they're going through. They've been patient. I know there were some criticisms of Danny Ainge around draft time that he, he should have pulled the trigger, he should have done a deal. I thought Danny Ainge did the exact right thing. I thought he looked over what he had. I, I think he saw the progress that they've made, and he said, why are we panicking? We're, we're doing pretty darn good. We're taking our steps. Nobody said you have to go from A to Z. You can stop along the way. You can have a, a D stop and a R stop, you know, and a, on the way to trying to put this whole thing together and then be good long-term. And, and my goodness, look how it turned out. They're the number one seed. They're in the conference finals. They get the number one pick overall in the draft coming up. And he hasn't had to give up anything that he likes. And at the end of this year, whatever happens to them, they can sit down and say, you know what, this is who we want to keep as we move forward. And we want to try and build a dynasty. And we want to have a nice run of, you know, six, seven, eight years that we can, you know, it's hard now with free agency to say to yourself, well, we're going to have a 10, 11-year run. You don't know if you can hold on to the guys that long. But, you know, if you're going to lock somebody into five-year deals long-term, you might say to yourself, let's be solid for five years and, and see what happens and, and see how, how far we can go with this group. So I, I applaud him for not uh, panicking or not giving in to the pressures of people saying you have to do something. No, he doesn't. He sat there and wound up with a whole bag full of goodies right now. Now, obviously, you, you've, you've been a great coach. So, so while I have you, I want to I get your opinion on, on Brad Stevens a little bit. Now, even before winning anything, he, he kind of had a top reputation. I even had some opposing coaches ask me why he was considered so bulletproof in the media, everything like that. How did you take all the praise he received early in his career before the Celtics really started winning? I, I, I don't know if I have an answer to that. I mean, I took it like this guy's pretty good. I, mean, I watched him you know, coach in college, and they had great success. And then uh, if you get a chance to talk to him, he's got a terrific demeanor. And I don't know what you know, how anybody could find fault with if he received praise because of what he had accomplished on the court as a coach, then the only thing that would happen would be if he failed and came in and didn't win and didn't build in Boston the way they had hoped to and the way they had wanted to. They wanted to establish a culture. They wanted to establish a style of play. They wanted to establish what the Celtics organization is about. And they took a guy that they felt could lead. And I'm sure Danny Ainge, besides watching him in person, coach games, talked to a number of his players and saw the respect that they had for him. So I, I thought he had earned all that, whatever it was, and that it was a matter of he either was going to fail and, and uh, the writers were going to rewrite those stories and say, well, wait a minute, everything we said about him may not be exactly right. Or they're going to say, yeah, guy, we were right on from this guy. This guy's good. This guy does a, does a terrific job and he's a, 
he's a good person, easy person to talk to and communicate with, and kind of handles kind of handles the whole thing the right way. And what's not to like about that? Yeah. Now, now, do do you think switching gears again here? Do do you think LeBron's sustained dominance should impact what the Celtics do with the top pick? Obviously, they're the number one seed. They have a lot going for them, but even so, it 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 doesn't feel like like they might not be one piece away. Do you think they might have a better chance staying young, waiting LeBron out, or do you think they should go for it and, and try to try to get a veteran with that pick? That's something that's hard for an outsider to answer because you're talking about ownership, an ownership group who has to have a commitment to monies, and you know your front office and Danny Ainge and the coaching staff. Uh, you know, an NBA coach. And everybody's in a different situation. Everybody has a different relationship, and everybody feels um, a certain amount of security, but it's not the same in every job. An NBA coach, if you look at what their life expectancy is, it's a dangerous job. And you say, let's build long-term. What is long-term, and how long am I going to be around? There's an expert person enjoying uh, the players that we're building and developing along the way here, which has happened over and over again. On the other hand, if you have great confidence in the people above you and they tell you this is our word and you're with us, then maybe you move in a different direction. But I, I think you, uh, I, I think it's a great mistake and no greater than looking at what Brooklyn did and what Boston wound up doing. Then you can mortgage the future and hope for something right now, immediate, and we're going to be sorry in the end if something happens. Houston's rolling along, then they gets hurt, and they was having a fantastic year. He gets hurt. Houston's not the same team as they were then they playing for him. So uh, I'm not sure that I would mortgage the future for right now as opposed to you got a piece that you think is a sure shot, going to be a terrific player in the league down the road. Why not add him to Jalen Browns and, you know, the Avery Bradleys and the Smarts and, and those guys? And why not have a group that grows together and, and can be together for a long time? Yeah, sustainable competitiveness is what, what the Celtics really talk about. Um, under Stevens, a lot of guys have, have really played their best basketball. Obviously, Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder. Evan Turner, even Al Horford to an extent in this postseason. How much of that do you think can be attributed to coaching, or is it mostly just that he's had a bunch of young players with who have been given an opportunity that they didn't necessarily have elsewhere? Well, Al Horford was a good player when he was in Atlanta. And they yeah, he was, he's was. he been fantastic for a long time. And uh, he's, you know, up until last night, he, was, he had stepped his game up. You know, he was missing, the, if I remember, the first couple games of the first series against Chicago. It wasn't, wasn't Al Horford that we knew. And and it's like whatever happened, whether they sat down with him as a coaching staff or he met with individuals and they made him understand, that, hey, we went out and got you and added you, this piece to this team, thinking that we could move to a different level. You're the person that can do that you have the capability, the talent to move to another level and bring us to, to another level with you. And if you don't do that, we're not getting Right now, we're not getting past Chicago the way it is right now. And I think since those first couple games, he's been a different Al Horford, and he's 
he's just played sensational basketball for them. Uh, and some of these guys, it's the experience of having been there before, having you know, watching and listening and seeing and and understanding and. And the team has to buy in. There's certain nights you're not going to play, certain nights you're going to play. A guy like Jurepko, who plays during this regular season, may not play a lot in the playoffs. Shannon Fry, he's a huge piece in them winning certain games, and he doesn't play a whole lot last night. You know, he's out, out of the rotation. That's He's got to buy into that. He's got to understand that. Richard Jefferson didn't play last round very much, but all of a sudden he was back in there last night. And veteran guys who understand it and realize that the best thing I can do is not be disruptive, but be ready to go if he calls me. And those are all things that the Celtic young guys are learning as they go along and maybe helping in their development and the improved play that you're seeing from certain guys. You know, Crowder all of a sudden is making threes last night on a regular basis. Is that the Crowder we know from during the season? Is that something you can count on him all year long? Or is it something that appears and then disappears and then reappears? You know, those are all things that you ask yourself. All right, last question. What, what do the Celtics need to do to give themselves a fighter's chance in this series? I'm sorry, say that again, please. What do the Celtics need to do to give themselves a fighter's chance in this series? One is read down the basketball, try to cut down the second shot opportunities for the Cavaliers. Secondly, defend without fouling as much. I understand you have to be physical against Cleveland. I understand that's the nature of play for Boston. They're an aggressive team that has a couple guys who are physical guys in their respective positions, but the discrepancy of the foul line can't be 35-17 or something last night. Uh, That's a huge discrepancy in free throw attempts for a Cleveland team that is making their foul shots uh, basically on a regular basis. I mean, Boston had a tough night shooting all across the board. Field goal percentage, three-point field goal percentage, free throw percentage. It was not a good night shooting the basketball, which could be the result of the fatigue from the Washington series. Uh, and the mental fatigue wore them down a little bit. But having said that, um, one was the rebound. Second was defend without fouling as much. And the decisions that have to be made. Are we playing LeBron and taking everybody else out of the game, or are we going to try and make it really hard on LeBron and hope that the other guys don't step up and have big games when he gives the ball up because we know he will give it up. So now you're back, backing on the fact, can your rotations get to these other guys, challenge shots, and make them have some tough nights shooting the ball. Meanwhile, you're taking LeBron out of the game where he's not getting to the rim time after time, not getting to the free throw line for an abundance of free throws, putting guys on the bench with fouls like happened with Smart last night who fouled out of the game. Um, those would be three areas I would concentrate on. And then if there was a fourth area, it would be how you're going to attack this Cavaliers defense and what they're doing to Isaiah, what adjustments will be made for other guys to step up or get more involved or to help free Isaiah up. And with him, it might just be simply the rest factor and the wear and tear of all the playoffs a long season on his body. I'm not sure that's something you can fix in one day or two days. That that summertime rest is to get that body back feeling good again. And right now you play through it like everybody else does. That's been banged up and you hope for the best. All right. Thanks a lot, Coach. I really appreciate your time. So that was the interview with TNT's Mike 
Fratello. His station will be broadcasting the entire Eastern Conference Finals. TNT has every game of Celtics-Cavs. The Locked On Celtics podcast will be breaking down every game of Celtics-Cavs. We are the only Monday through Friday Celtics podcast. We are the best Celtics podcast. If, if you don't subscribe to us already, search for Locked On Celtics. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else. Subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating. And if you want to think, think about advertising with us, we don't mind getting paid. Uh, send us an email to LockedOnCeltics at gmail.com. We can discuss our rates. We can discuss the Celtics. We can discuss whatever you want. So, yeah, send us an email. Even if you don't want to advertise with us, send us an email. We're, we're happy to chat about the Celtics. And we always are here to talk about the Celtics. So give us a listen. Thanks for listening to this one. That is this episode of the Locked On Celtics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales, Locked On Celtics. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.